3: Enjoy.
1: All right, it's time for the Gut Check Project with your host, Dr. Ken Brown, MD. I'm Eric Rieger. We got uh, Jeff Collins on the board and Chef Patrick in the booth at GCP. We all check our ego at the door and nothing is off the table. It's episode number 10. We're now in double digits. Wow. How you doing?
4: We just hit 10. That's awesome. Nothing off the table. I think we got something really cool going on for the show today. Our guest, we're going to start talking
1: animal health. That's a new one for us. It is a brand new one for us. And it's more than just animal health. I mean, you can actually, excuse me, you can actually help people all around the world by engaging with our guest's company. And of course, we're talking about Robo Hendrickson, uh, co founder of Full Bucket Health. And uh, Full Bucket is a company that is taking action with innovation and charity and making tangible differences all over the world. Uh, they have a parent company called Animal Stewards International, a couple other small uh, companies under that umbrella. But regardless, Robo is going to be, <laughs> he's going to be a fantastic guest. We're going to show our audience that if you, if you've come accustomed to what we've been doing, sit tight, things are going to change a little bit. It's going to be a lot of fun.
4: Yeah, he's going to bring a lot of different stories to the table here. He's been in a lot of different industries and, you know, actually, um, you know, health, animal health, human health. There's a lot of overlap, including things like CBD. So this is It's going to be a really cool topic. I can't wait to pick his brain. Well,
1: you know, and he's here to show how they can make it easy for you to help impoverish people from all corners of the world, basically for acts as small as just feeding your pets. It sounds kind of wild to say, but Full Bucket Health is a high-level research company for animal health, and they have a passion for helping all animals, pets, working livestock. Uh, They know that in many parts of our planet that people depend upon the health, the contributions of animals, and to carry out daily living. Robo and his team have created a very humane initiative to help those animals. And uh, on top of all that, he's he's actually funny as hell. So, <laughs>
4: <laughs> And then in this uh, first half hour also, I came across a really cool article linking. We always talk about the brain gut access. Yeah. Now the science is starting to catch up to give the mechanisms of how this is. So
1: I can't it's wait gonna, to get to that. That
4: one, it, it's it's pretty intense. You didn't even run that one by cool. me. I know, I know. I, just, I, I found that. Um, actually done right around the, the corner over here at Texas Christian university and just published this month.
1: Nice. Well, uh, be sure if this is your first or 10th time to tune in to gut check project, be sure to subscribe, like, and share subscribe, like, and share. Um, I'm, I'm kind of blown away. Number one, thank you all for the, the messages that, the people who ask who are going to have next on the show, the comments from, from before, but go to gutcheckproject.com and you can hit connect. You can write to us about any show, ask any questions, send them to me or to uh, Dr. Brown. We'll both read them. And then you can go to YouTube, search for the Gut Check Project channel, subscribe and share. The same for iTunes. And of course, we're we're live on iHeartRadio. So. That's awesome. I
4: got some uh, pretty good feedback on our... Uh, gigantic our, box. Gigantic box of uh, <laughs> Atron Teal here. So um, Atron Teal, you know... We developed this to help people with bloating abdominal discomfort and we can show that really greater than four to five people benefit by taking this. And I see it every single day in my clinic. And we're gonna talk a little bit about gut health and the gut brain access. AtronTil can help with that. So where should they go to get huge discounts as big as this box?
1: They can always go to lovemytummy.com slash spoonie. slash spoony. Use the code that's on that page which is just spoony. It's spoony. And save money. Save money. Heal your gut. Don't bloat anymore. Lovemytummy.com. We should run a contest
4: to see how many Atron Teal boxes or capsules can fit into the big one and do a real big winner. I mean, something cool. Something, I don't know. I'll tell you we'll what. we have to come up with that.
1: Uh, you know what? We'll do that. Let's, let's talk about it. Maybe even the break, maybe before the end of the show, we're going to come out with a contest that any viewer, listener, can guess? Yeah, we'll we'll figure that part out, and we'll uh, we'll get back to you. By the we'll end go of the show. to
4: some of our other. I mean, I'm sure we can get some really cool. We can make a nice box where somebody could get a lot of the cool stuff that other hosts at Spoonie Radio, possibly Mojo Five O. Speaking of box, we got an important call today to finalize something here, don't we?
1: We do have a box with a uh, a uh, a box. We have a call, <laughs> a very important call to finalize a few things about the box today. Why don't you go ahead and take that? Well, we're got uh last week
4: we had Jay Uperion on that was talking about the D hat member box, the D hat health box. We're finalizing a few things on that and we just came back from Scottsdale where we were with JJ Virgin and she offered to be on a call with us today to try and just make sure that we're doing everything correctly because she's so experienced at doing that with her other brand and she's been doing it, which I think is super cool, so Today we're going to try and uh, get some business advice from JJ on how to do this properly so that everyone benefits.
1: Well, the one thing that I can tell you that she puts as a priority in terms of how she handles people that buy things from her, all of the health things that she delivers, she makes sure that everything is true to its word and that customer service is priority. So that's definitely what she's trying to make certain that DHAT does. It's funny because that reminds me of an email that I got from Dana. She's interested in the D Hat box. She actually wrote a joke and said, is, uh, is the gigantic Autron oh, Teal going to fit in there? I highly doubt it. <laughs> kind of laughed. But she did want to know, when does it launch? And can I sign up a family member? Which is not really something that we covered last week. But yes, D- uh, Dana, thank you. And I did write you back. But for those others who had similar questions, you just simply have to go to dhatbox.com. And you will be given the information right away as soon as they launch, which may be as early as next week, I believe. There's a... Two small negotiations, I think, is what Hat said that they're doing to make sure that they have it all put together. But uh, amazing service that they're really giving to their patients. Yeah, and
4: so the only thing that I really want to do for my partners is maybe just do a quick little uh, webinar so that the employees, so that if you happen to be local and you go in and see your doctor and ask about it, the employees, the you know front desk people, the medical assistants will know all about the box as well so that everybody can be part of a team to really help. And like we discussed last week,
1: change the health landscape in a city. That's what I think is the coolest thing that we're going to be able to do. If we can do it here in a city of almost 8 million people or, or a metro area of 8 million people, we know that that's a sample size. You can take that everywhere. So that'll be uh, that'll be very exciting. Yeah. So what did you do this last weekend?
4: So I kind of mentioned real briefly that we were with JJ Virgin this past weekend. We were actually in uh, Scottsdale for our healthcare entrepreneur group known as the uh, Mindshare Mastermind Group. I love hanging with all these people that are so smart, so cool, and something, um, you know, we talk to a lot of people. I met somebody who I'm a big fan of, Dr. Terry Walls. She's so brilliant. Yeah, she wrote The Walls Protocol, and my good friend, Linda Snyder, introduced me to her, oh, man, two years ago, because she said, you have to read this book. She actually suffers from something kind of similar to MS that Dr. Walls has essentially treated with diet using this protocol. Right, Linda actually has a form of ataxia, and she said that uh, using the diet protocol as well. And so I've been familiar with uh, Dr. Walls for a long time, so it was really cool to hang with her and talk a little bit. And uh, I think one of the coolest things is that with this big group of super smart people, uh, there was an impromptu band formed with the masterminds. Oh, And let me see if I can get this. Without getting a glare on it. Yeah. So I have not this, seen this video. Yeah, no, he has not. This is actually is off <laughs> my
1: phone. Um,
4: we are going to.
1: If you're listening. Okay. That's not fair. That's just the warm up.
4: Hold on, hold <laughs> on. There it is.
1: Okay. That
4: right there. Is co host Eric Rieger on the drum, ripping with no practice at all?
1: Yeah, that actually was uh, <laughs> it's really funny. So, you you busted us during a warm up, that's nice. Uh,
4: <laughs> well, I do have a uh, Scott
1: a, Antoine on the bass there, yeah, warm up as well. Scott
4: Antoine on the bass, we had uh, Darren Angles. Now, this is uh, here, maybe this is this is as the night went on, you guys finally started to play. This is my So that's what happens when you get super smart people and just throw some instruments around there. They're like, "Yeah, I used to play that 20 years ago. Let me let me give it a shot."
1: <laughs> Apparently now we're hosting a uh, throwback radio show. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, really. Uh, no, that's that's awesome. I had a I had a blast doing that with those folks. Uh, if you're a musician, once you're a musician, you always want to, to get together and jam. So that was mm-hmm. uh, that was a tons of fun. So I really appreciate uh, Carl K. Jerry Bailey putting that together, man. That was that was uh, that was fun. Yeah, that was oh, and it Sammy, was awesome. Sammy on guitar. Goodness gracious, guy can rip! Man, that was awesome.
4: Yeah, I love that. So yeah, you guys did an incredible job. It was really fun doing that. Um, going to the mastermind, that was awesome. What else did I do? Uh, I was on Debbie Potts' The Whole Athlete podcast. That was fun. Yeah, she's really cool. And as it turns out, she's going to be in the mastermind. I believe we were discussing that. And if you're into whole, group,
1: yeah, if you're into whole health and you're into ath- uh, athletics, her uh, her podcast is quite interesting. It's pretty awesome. Whole whole athlete, correct?
4: Um, yes, it's called the Whole Athlete, Debbie Potts. So, other than that, as far as the family goes, we're in that star test season. So that's kind of what the kids talk about. Oh, they got to do this star test. Oh yeah, if you're testing. not in
1: Texas, it's ridiculous. So don't it's don't bother standardized test. You want to go to sleep? It look it up online. It's yeah. awesome. So, but everything
4: else is going cool from our standpoint. How about you?
1: Everything's good. Trip to Arizona was terrific. Uh, great to rekindle with uh, a lot of those great friendships and uh, keep the the, mm-hmm. the business minds. Uh, aligned so that you know that you're serving your people well but way home you're with me i slid my phone into my pocket lost it in an uber big shout out to stefan uber driver from phoenix <laughs> thank you for overnighting my phone to me because that was uh, that was nice but i will say i took a break from the phone for a, a whole two days not that bad kind of liked it kind of liked it a lot so uh if you ever feel like yourself uh getting a little overwhelmed Put your phone on silence and go somewhere else. Says, uh, two days away wouldn't do bad.
4: You know how they were talking about what, um, if we go back to Austin for the for another mastermind. I think they're looking at Hotel Marival. I think. Okay. Anyways, I looked it up and they've got a whole like z- like phone free hotel campus. Like, oh you wow! Can, you can just lock it up and put it in a sleeping bag, and so. And they just sort of take your phone from you so you can just disconnect.
1: You know, last time I went to a Jack White concert, they had us put our phone so you won't take video and you won't take photos while mm-hmm. they're up on the stage. They have you put, uh, I can't even remember what they're called, a cue bag or something like that, but you basically put it in this pouch. You keep it, but you can't get your phone out. It's awesome. It makes everybody be in the moment. Oh, yeah. It was really, really cool. So um, other things that happened, I came home and I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, actually you do. I know you, I know you know, but listeners, you may not know this. My wife my lovely wife she likes to run a menagerie at our house so i came home to another new dog and <laughs> <laughs> i haven't even told ken about this yet but yes a uh, nice little aussie came running down the stairs and i thought oh look at that um, an aussie yeah yeah the little i think it is i'm really bad at recognizing specific breeds but regardless um, yeah he's he's a pretty cool dog he's already 2 years old but apparently his owner lost him my wife contacted uh, contacted her she's she's elderly can't uh, can't keep her so <laughs> Boys have already named him about seven different names and we're trialing. I have a feeling that he's, he's now a permanent fixture. And then speaking of Marie and a podcast and of wise County, Texas, if you've ever heard of Ader from Decatur County seat of wise, while you roll craps, um, they now have a podcast up there called wise weekly. And uh, Marie was on there just this last week, I think on their third ever episode talking about the happenings around wise County. So if you care about that region, and are curious about Ader from Decatur, then, uh, then check it out.
4: That's awesome. Hey, for our listeners out there, um, I would like to define menagerie. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Menagerie, a collection of wild animals kept in captivity for exhibition. In other words. <laughs> That's what we do. Marie is becoming Benicio del Toro, the collector from Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: That's what we want to do. And we've done it with bees. We've done it with chickens. I mean, if apparently we are a uh, no-kill shelter also known as my home. A no-kill shelter, yes. So uh, if
4: anybody would like to uh, contribute their animal so that Marie can continue collecting wild animals kept in captivity for exhibition, otherwise known as a menagerie. Yeah, just pretend like
1: you can't take care of it anymore, and apparently it's safe at our house. Uh, (laughs) Hey, while we're on the Spooning Network, I did give a listen to The Rich Solution. You and I talked about it earlier. uh, And Gwen Rich, who's the author of Stop Complaining, she was diagnosed with an incurable breast cancer, and she's basically just challenged that entire diagnosis She's spreading her own influence of positivity. And basically, you can create your own good luck. It was an awesome show. It's Wednesdays live, 10 Eastern, 9 Central, on Spoonie.com, on the Spoonie Network. That's the Rich Solution with Gwen Rich. Uh, it, I just loved it because it tied in so well to what we've learned from, uh, well, with with gut health, making great food choices, etc. But when when Mark was on the show talking about his Cancer prognosis. I mean, they said that nobody's lived. He's nine years out. He's still here. He's doing great. So, what episode was that? Uh, that was episode that number three. Look for Mark Simmelman. Mark Simmelman, uh, the survivor of cancer. So, you know
4: what's really interesting about about this show is that each show has something different that I really like about it. Like sure. If you say, "Hey, which one was your favorite show?" I'm like, "I can't pick one because each one is a little bit different. Some were more emotional. Some were more scientific." Thinking today we're going to laugh a lot.
1: I think today Robo is going to bring some laughs. There's probably very little, very little doubt. Uh, Last thing. uh, Oh wait, no, no, I already did all that. So we're all caught up. So, uh, Ken, what's on the corner? You want to geek out on some science right now? I think we should.
4: All right. So we're always talking about how all health begins and ends in the gut, and an article came out just this month out of Texas Christian University, TCU. Um, what they were looking at is this link in gut inflammation and how it can actually cause brain inflammation. And then the brain inflammation can affect us in ways that possibly we are completely unaware of, like decision making and impulse control. So let's give a little bit of background about this. And the reason why we brought up Atron is that we talk about SIBO a lot, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. But given the limitations about how to diagnose it, there is some confusion around that. And we don't really understand how prevalent it is or how many people actually have it. But what we do know is that the microbiota or our microbiome, which we're always talking about, guys at Mojo talk about it all the time. seems like every day they're talking about a story on that. right? Or dysbiosis, growth in a way that it shouldn't be or growing where it should not be, which is bacterial overgrowth, has been linked to inflammation and autoimmune diseases. That we do know. Now, our intestines have a tight junction, and our brains have one also, called the blood-brain barrier. This is the first time that I have seen an article where they showed mechanistically that the tight junction in the intestine, similar to the blood-brain barrier. Right. Following me here?
1: I am. Okay, so
4: now we're talking gut-brain, and that the two barriers—
1: can be very similar just a reset if you're listening and and this is these are new terms for you essentially the barrier the blood-brain barrier is there to prevent certain small things from passing over into the brain tissue correct and so
4: those people that have suffered from this have heard of a term called leaky gut right i'm going to talk leaky brain now let's do it it's pretty wild so new evidence is showing that intestinal permeability or leaky gut can actually be caused by a molecule called zonulin. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the the y here part. But the zonulin has now been shown that it can cause blood-brain barrier permeability. In other words, zonulin can cause leaky gut and it could cause leaky brain. And this is the first time an article has actually looked at something like this. Because we have always been trying to discuss that there is this, if you have intestinal inflammation, or I have been saying this for a long time, that that has been linked to other problems like anything that can create problems in the brain. Well, quite honestly, we talked about Dr. Terry Walls, but one of the reasons why her wall protocol changing your diet may help is because you stop this inflammatory process and the multiple sclerosis plaques don't form as much. So that's something to keep in mind. So now there's evidence to show that chronic intestinal inflammation has been linked to autism, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, psychiatric disorders, and all that kind of stuff. So here's a mechanism of how it could, because when you have this microbiotic gut brain access, it gets really complex and the brain talks to the microbiome and the microbiome sends signals to the brain. It could be done through the vagus nerve, but can also be done through hormones that are actually being released and different inflammatory mediators and all this other stuff. Bottom line is you need to make sure that you protect your microbiome because it's communicating with your brain. And if you have dysbiosis in the wrong place, then that intestinal permeability gets a little bit out of control. So they were looking at this and they realized that not only will you have inflammation, but you can start affecting what's called the HPA axis or the hypothalamus pituitary axis. They were showing that when you have gut inflammation, you have increased cortisol, which leads to more inflammation. And now we have that model of, okay, fight or flight all the time. Follow me here so far? Yeah, I am so far. Because we haven't even gotten to the study yet. They had to do all this background to actually explain why they wanted to do this particular type of study. So this increased stress through cortisol and this inflammatory process could be causing a few other things. This is kind of like a mini course in the brain gut access. They theorized that when you have things like this going on, not only can you have these diseases over a long period, what if you induce an inflammatory response in the gut and how does it affect you in the short term? Okay. So they took 159 people without any prior history of mental illness, any prior history of any gut issues. And then what they did is they injected them with an inflammatory mediator. Okay. Meaning I'm going to create gut inflammation. Mm -hmm. They actually use something called lipopolysaccharide and all lipopolysaccharide is, is the, it's a, the coating of a bacterial cell. Right. So this is the thing that actually leaks through when you have intestinal permeability and then the body reacts to it. And then that leads to this whole inflammatory process.
1: So to just to summarize, you're saying that they used basically an artificial trigger to show that, uh, we're going to, we're going to induce some gut inflammation. Let's see what happens.
4: I'll take it further. They used an artificial SIBO trigger. All right. So they actually induced how the body responds to bacterial overgrowth. Oh, Okay. And what they showed was pretty wild. So what happened is when they injected this, it created a subclinical level of inflammation that they could measure by measuring all these different parameters. They wanted to know that when you have this inflammatory process, it crosses the blood-brain barrier, meaning now you create a little bit of brain inflammation. What does that do to the immediate thought process it can't be good it's fascinating what it showed that um what they found is that this inflammation even subclinical inflammatory processes in healthy people led to poor decision making lack of impulse control um characterized by lack of focus and inability to delay gratification which is fascinating and they actually showed that there was some movement towards somewhat destructive behavior like gambling and things like that, even in the short term. So they showed with these people that the low level inflammatory process kind of leads to some social processes, which can lead to a destructive style of life.
1: Wow. And that was, just out of curiosity, was Charlie Sheen one of these, one of these subjects? So
4: Charlie Sheen was actually the the co-founder and the <laughs> the leader of this, yeah, at Texas Christian University. So, yeah, that's yeah. where he goes. So, anyways, it's just really wild because basically what they're getting at here is, and I see this with my patients all the time. Patients will come in and they'll say, "Man, I was perfectly fine, and then five years ago I got sick, and then I've been bloated ever since." And quite honestly, I'm super anxious. I'm depressed, I don't really wanna be around people. So one of the things that they saw was anhedonia where people did not wanna socially interact when they had these inflammatory markers up. So I have seen firsthand that when I treat people's guts and they get better with Atrontil and we decrease the neuroinflammatory process with um, CBD, that I will have people tell me, yeah, things are just a whole lot better. And I've always wondered why. I'm like, was it, is it the gut? Now we realize that the gut's creating this inflammatory process. I would love to hear from people that if you ever experience anything like that, like maybe a cool story after taking outrontiel and uh, KBMD-CBD that uh, maybe the uh, Fortnite addiction or whatever addiction that you might have gets better. I don't know. We can start treating addiction medicine through the gut.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It, it, and actually, it doesn't even surprise me. Every, it seems like every time we turn around, you're going to find out that Mother Nature has an answer, and it's multifaceted. Just be healthy. Just slow down the inflammation. And what is it that we can do? It's wild how much of it ties back to you don't have to eat crazily, you don't have to do a bunch of crazy stuff. It's just use Mother Nature, polyphenols, CBD, better diet, good exercise, get good sleep, and suddenly you'll feel yourself getting a little bit better. The pillars of health. It really
4: is. It just be wouldn't that be awesome if you could just know that every single month something cool is gonna come to your house so that you could have these things to help you with your pillar of health heal your gut protect your brain get you to sleep well
1: Man, that'd be awesome that uh might be some foreshadowing well who knows maybe maybe you'll have an answer for that sometime soon
4: i don't know oh and you know what it's not just humans that experience things like that like you have a new dog maybe you know separation anxiety in animals sure there's other things that can actually happen with animals now maybe we have a a reason why that's going on also, and possibly things like CBD could help animals.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we've got less than a minute, but here uh, joining the show, as we hinted at earlier, it's going to be Robo Hendrickson. He's got incredible knowledge. His company is de- definitely dedicated to research for better animal health, and they do it with a, a an arm for charity, which can make a difference worldwide. So Robo Hendrickson will be here, and I think that he'll be able to address a lot of that. The funny thing is, is not only are they interested in just better health, they know that so much of the health of those animals, including large animals, comes through the gut. And they're actually willing to, uh, to kind of expand that idea of research. Which oh, that's I think cool. Is...
4: So we're going to be all over the place. We're going to geek out a little bit. Go to uh, lovemytummy.com slash Spoonie. Put in code spoony for a
1: discount on Atron Teal. Absolutely. KBMDhealth.com. We'll see you here at the bottom of the hour in just two minutes.
2: I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines.
5: 800-452-1075. 452 1075 That's 800-452-1075.
1: Okay, we are now back for the second half hour of Episode 10 of Gut Check Project. I'm Eric Rieger, here with your host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. And now, to my right, we've got the Robo Hendrickson of Full Bucket Health, as well as, well, just a... A whole ton of other companies. What's up, Robo?
3: Hey guys, thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely, thanks for driving uh, the whole twenty-two minutes to get over here.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it was like forty-five minutes, I think, total. So it's hard <laughs> to get anywhere
1: in Dallas not That's being right. Forty-five minutes these days. You should yeah. have taken the tunnel. I shoulda. Yeah, shoulda. Yeah, if you're not from Dallas, there is no tunnel. So either way, um, man. So uh, full bucket health. And uh, what else should we start with? You got uh, you got Smash Factory. You've got Dragon. You got Rocket Animal Health. Mm -hmm. so much of that falls underneath the animals are all your companies
3: you are busy i'm a partner in most of them smash factory i'm a i'm you know is just my baby but the others i'm partners in because i've found that i'm really not good at a whole lot so i got to surround myself with good people and partner up right on so
1: that's exactly how we met i mean it's basically just being surrounded by uh by good folks yeah and uh that brought us together. Of course, uh, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, one of your really good friends, of course, uh, Michael Lovich, is the reason why uh, we met, which is awesome. But um, so, just to take the uh, listeners back, who may not know a little bit about Robo, you grew up in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. You were yep. in rodeo, yes, and uh, your dad was a uh, was a, a veterinarian as mm-hmm. well.
3: Yeah, my brother still runs his old animal clinic. Oh, up in South Dakota. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. right on.
3: Yeah, so. Yeah. I, uh, you know, growing up in Western South Dakota, wasn't a stretch to, you know, we, we, we had a dad was not only a practicing veterinarian, but the love of his life was ranching. So we also had a ranch. And so dad not only worked his guts out, you know, going on calls and pulling calves in the wintertime, but then he'd come home and feed and, you know, run a ranch. And, you know, growing up, that was just how we, we grew up and, uh, My first jobs were, you know, scooping out the stalls and cleaning cages, and you know, when I was a little boy. And so he had you working on this like from day one. Absolutely. I mean, our actually the first clinic he launched when when he first got into his, you know, started his own practice and left the practice he was working for. uh, It was in our house. Our kitchen turned table turned into a operating table and. (laughs) the yeah Wait, and i
4: gotta hear i gotta hear one of those stories yeah that. so
3: it, yeah he 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 moved a stainless steel big old table in the in the kitchen and and the the front entryway porch we had a you know a couple couches that was the waiting room he moved my me and my brother out of one room into in with my sister in the back and turned our room into the recovery room
6: <laughs> that is awesome <laughs> yeah
3: yeah so that's we did that in our he had a little barn on the place and turned that into the, uh, the large animal clinic. And then we probably lived like, I, you know, quite honestly, I don't remember how long we lived like that, but I remember that he moved a double wide mobile home next door with a basement under it. We moved in there and thought we were in a palace cause it was no longer the clinic. And that was our house, you know, and, and he was in that practice for several years and then he moved, uh, to a better location and built a nice practice and it's still there today. And, um, you know it was sold to uh, a, a big chain of, of clinics and they kept my brother on my brother started managing it after my mom retired she was the she was the bookkeeper accountant nice nice you know customer service gal, So,
4: let me just jump in here really quick because I was just informed by our producer Jeff that um, somebody from the first hour that I had mentioned uh, Linda Snyder uh, is called in from Omaha Nebraska Linda you there
7: I'm here. Oh, my goodness.
4: What's going on? Did you hear me mention your name in the first half hour?
7: No, I didn't. Sorry. I'm working. So I just called in now. So I'm sorry. So but some of us have real jobs.
4: I know. I know some of us well, you know what? I mean we've got we've got Robo on where he was just telling a story about how he got kicked out of his bedroom to make a recovery room. You know, and you're over there as a radiologist, just in nice, controlled area. you know, I don't yeah. you know some would not consider that a real job either, Linda.
7: That's true. Yeah, I'm living the life. So. <laughs> How hey,
4: are you? We're doing great. One of the people that were our guest today is Robo, and he works for or he owns a company called Full Bucket. We got to talk, and we're going to get into this later, but um, they actually do some charitable work. And since I met Terry Walls this weekend, your name got brought up a lot, and I just thought it'd be really cool for maybe you to explain your experience, that what you've been going through and what you're hoping to do.
7: Okay, well, I'll tell you my story. So it started a long, long time ago when um, I was about 21 years old. And so at that time, I, I knew I had a potential to have a genetic disorder from my dad. And so I decided, you know what? They discovered the gene. I'm going to go ahead and get tested and see if I have it or not. And sadly, I tested positive. So I knew I was going to have this chronic, debilitating disease called ataxia that my dad had. And so ataxia really just means in coordination or difficulty walking. It's similar to like MS or Lou Gehrig's disease or anything like that, or having a stroke and not being able to walk. And so I knew at that time that I was going to have it and I was going to be in a wheelchair. And really at that time they told me, the, the best guess was that I was going to be in a wheelchair by 40. I'm, I'm older than that now, and I'm not in a wheelchair, which is great news, but they really don't understand the whole process behind it and why I'm sort of behaving differently than other people who have the disease. But part of it may be because I'm super uh, active and take a really active role in trying to, Slow down the process. Is that how you discovered
4: Dr. Wall's book?
7: Yes, exactly. And so, in my quest of trying to help myself, I came across her book and I read it. And it's it's written in such a way that's so easy to understand. And I am a little bit skeptical. So I read it thinking, "Gosh, she really made all these improvements." just based on diet, and at first I was sort of like, I don't know if that's really going to work, but then again, I was also like, it doesn't hurt to try, I mean, it's not going to hurt, you know what I mean, it's not harmful, and so I might as well give it a whirl and see if it it makes difference in my life, and so I started kind of slowly because I can't really just jump into things and so I started by just going to go gluten free and I added in the dairy free tried to increase the amount of like vegetables and fruit I got and things like that, and then eventually started getting into more like ketosis and then getting more into like gut health, discovering. Um, discovering you and a treadmill and things like that, and so using all those things combined together, I think really helps me in my disease. Slow it down to the point where other people are like surprised by it. Other physicians and stuff like that are are shocked at how like quote good I'm doing for what what they expect. Basically,
1: that's exactly what, uh, so what Terry said whenever she first started changing the way that she ate and the, the improvements that she made. Uh, Linda, this is Eric. And it's an amazing story that you've uh, you've put yourself on that kind of trajectory. But talking to Terry, she she said that people wouldn't believe in her.
4: Terry, actually, Linda, you're going to be interested in this. Terry actually told me that she's trying to set up with the university a, a randomized trial we're looking at MS people using just the wall protocol versus traditional MS drugs, and just comparing that to see where it is. So I think it's a. I think you're a huge, um, I think anybody suffering from any chronic neurologic disorder needs to hear your story. And I think one of the things that you discovered that you realize that a lot of people don't have access to, we, I have sponsored your charity for three years in a row. Can you tell people a little bit about what you're trying to do for those with ataxia?
7: Sure, so having any type of chronic disease like that is obviously super expensive to have, and the insurance it really only covers a small part of what you really need and so it's not only you know physical therapy or medications that are helpful, but yoga and acupuncture and adding c b d or um doing. Getting grab bars, or having a wheelchair ramp, or anything like that to help you around your house, isn't covered by insurance. And so I saw that there was a need, a financial need, in the community, and really decided uh, because I'm a little bit like. Polly Do Gooder and I'm like, oh sure, I'll just start a 501c3 nonprofit and we'll just help everyone, not realizing how much work that was going to entail and, <laughs> well, Robo, and things like that. I, <laughs>
4: Robo was just discussing was like, yeah, his five let's... companies. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna get into that. Yeah, exactly. Everybody everybody has good intention, and you're like, oh shit, this is work. Yeah.
7: <laughs> right. And then I was like, oh crap, there's all these like legal things to do and what I was. I'm so glad I started it because in reality it helps so many people buy the things that help their lives on a daily basis so they're able to be safer at home and have a a better quality of life um, because we're able to help them out financially a little bit and so really we're helping any type of ataxia so really ataxia from anything from Parkinson's, Huntington's, MS, whatever it is if you need help with something that's going to make your life a little bit better, whether it's yoga or acupuncture or just a simple thing like grab bars in your house, then we're able, we have a grand system and we're able to help people afford that's those awesome. things.
4: And they just go to nebraskaataxia.org, right?
7: That's correct.
4: All right. Yep. Well, I tell you what, we got to get back to some animals. Rolo was just in the middle of telling us about his cool... Upgrade to a double wide trailer <laughs> in, in South Dakota, no less. South well, Dakota, my. Linda. Thank you <laughs> so well, I much can't for coming.
7: <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank I you, Linda. It. Take care. Um, bye
1: bye. Bye bye. Man, that's amazing. It's crazy how how many parallels there are. To uh, I know what what you and I talked about before we got on the on the mics here, Robo. But in terms of health for animals, health for humans. Mm-hmm. Basically, if you want to get the most out of your life and your animal's life, you have to be healthy.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I can fast track real quick because <clears throat> there's some neat stuff between then and now. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, when I left the ranch, I tried to go to college for a little bit until they, re, you know, I realized I wasn't very good at that. Uh, I actually went into pre vet and you did, yeah. Then I'd come home and I'd see my dad working, you know, sixteen hours a day and slogging through the cold and all that. And I go, I don't know. <laughs> I love animals, but not like he does. Yeah. So, um, so I, you know, I bebopped around. I was rodeoing at that time, and I went. I, you know, got a college scholarship, and then I
4: in rodeo, yeah. And cool. then
3: and then uh, and then I went on professionally, and you were a bareback rider, correct? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I rode barebacks professionally and did a lot of events when I was younger. But how'd you get into that? Well, you know, when you grow up on a ranch in South Dakota, it's not that big of a stretch. It's you know, I mean, <laughs> your dad would be like, honestly, "We got another horse. Can you go break?" Yeah, it? Yeah, you, you you that's what you do. You, you didn't play, for, play
1: Fortnite or <laughs> Candy Crush, <laughs> <laughs> anything like that.
3: Yeah, no, we didn't have a lot of that going on. But yeah, you know, all your friends are in it, and your heroes are all rodeo cowboys, sure. and it was a, it was a culture is really what it was it was a community culture thing and that state was very proud of of that culture and and so you dreamed of being a filling those guys' shoes and doing that so um you know and i was ate up with it for a while and but there was always something you know i was always really interested in other odd things like i was really an odd man out um kind of have been my whole life you know my my buddies had you know, listening to country music and, you know, the things that, you know, when they were in their off time, they would be, you know, working on spurs or they would training colts. And I was drawing, you know, furniture in a notebook and I was, uh, you know, listening to, you know, Depeche Mode and, and Massive Attack. And, and my interests were about design and art and, and, you know, we would travel all over the country and I wanted to go see museums you know, and things like that. So I was a little bit of an outlier. And, and did your dad
4: have a little of that <clears throat> in him?
3: Or was this, or were you
4: just different from I, the rest of the family?
3: I really don't know. You know, I, I if he did, it wasn't shared with me a whole lot. Um, it had to come from somewhere. But uh, the I always had this spirit for new things and I knew there was something else out there. There you know, I grew up in an area that was a little bit closed-minded. I won't say closed-minded, but there were some blinders on there. You know, it's they, just exposure. Open-minded, exposure. right, right. Yeah. And it wasn't like my my parents were great. They were very loving people, but they weren't those, you know, that you can do anything. That you you the world is your oyster and I didn't get none of that. you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was... But here's the funny story. So it goes back Honey, to that. do you
4: think Robo's going to be okay? Not if he keeps listening to that. <sighs> <Boy. mode. laughs>
3: Something's wrong with that boy. Did he get kicked and we didn't know it?
1: <laughs> he so, don't
3: even use a saddle. Oh, so I was thinking about that when when I was on my drive over here. I remembered something that, so when I was in that old house and dad had turned it into a clinic and, Move me and my brother and sister into the back. And I, my very first memory I mean, this is the one that I always remember, you know, unless I'm on psilocybin or something, and I remember a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> my first memory was I, I had to be four or five years old because we were still in the old house. And it would be a hot summer day. And out my back, the back window, Was a was a swing set, and there was grass as you know belly high Mm -hmm. everywhere in the back. We didn't we didn't have a you know lawn. It was it was not you know native pastures everywhere. So it's native grass, and it was really thick and was all around the swing set. And I was the window was open, and it was hot outside. And you know in in South Dakota that means it was (laughs) seventy, and. And I was looking out the win- I remember looking out the window, and the whippoorwills were were singing. And I don't know if you've ever heard a whippoorwill sing, but um, that's what made me look out the window. And it was blazing hot. Skies were blue, 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 just a few clouds. And I was overcome with this unbelievable feeling. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what it was. You know, I was a little boy. But I'm kind of getting like choked up thinking about that feeling. It went all over my body and it filled my heart and my soul. And I had no idea what it was, but it was about the gloriousness of life, like how beautiful it was the sound and the the smell and the, the view. But it was also about the future. Like I knew you're four yeah I knew there was a future coming right and that <clears throat> I didn't know what it was but it was sort of like getting ready to go on an expedition and you're really really excited before you go you know it's that anticipation and it just took me over and I remember that that moment and I have had that i I used to have that moment a lot like I would get so excited and I would know something cool's going to happen or even if it's bad it's going to be cool it's life and it it didn't scare me it just filled me with like love and 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 i don't i can't it it even tingled and over the years it's become less and less and less you know as you get older and jaded why do you think it's less and less you just the experiences you have and you change you know you you go from seeing the future as this amazing I'm going to go to Mars. I'm going to go see the universe to, you know, watching my dad die, you know, just a few weeks ago. And you realize, oh, there is an end. You know, at that point in my life, there was no end. And what's really ironic is that not long after that, I actually got obsessed over death. Like, it scared me so bad. And I was laying in bed, and I I was thinking, this shit's going to end someday. Yep, I was like, I don't, that's not good. I don't want it to end. You know,
4: it was. But you can remember. So clearly you have an artistic brain because what you did is you painted a picture. That story, I knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. That is so embedded and imprinted in you. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, why do you think we have less of it? Because you're describing it to a point where I think you can go back to that whenever you want. When, when, when you have that tied, that's that neuro-linguistic programming type thing where you can. Trigger, I, can, I wanted to find out what a whippoorwill sounded like. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, I hear that. That's sweet. So yeah. that's
4: going on. That gets you to look. You yeah. see that, and you have all hope. Yeah. And I'm sorry to hear about your father dying a few weeks ago, and now you're sitting around going, this is going to end. Yeah. But you can recant that story so vividly that that is you. Yeah. That is actually you. This is just, I mean, I think you have the ability to go back to that. And inspire well, and other. People. I
3: agree. You know, you get you you know the perils of life, the the ups and the downs, and the experiences slowly kind of callous you. You know, I mean, and I don't mean that in a I mean that in a physical way, like like calluses on my hands from just doing work. You know, as a as a protective nature, it's there for you get calluses for a reason, and I think that's part of your physical makeup too. That you you grow calluses physically, you know, mentally, psychologically to protect yourself and to, you know, as you go through life. Without question. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're, when you're a kid, you're, it's soft and very, very thin. And as you get older, it's thicker and harder and, and it's to prepare you or maybe, I don't know, but yeah, I do. When I get the opportunity to think back on, on those memories that it does, like I said, on my way over here, I uh, got goosebumps just thinking about the whippoorwill, the, the, the grass blowing in and, and the future. And, but I think I was lucky to have that moment and, and pay attention to it because it really changed me and the people that I was surrounded with. And that's why I was different was that I was a dreamer. Really. I mean, if you want to call it that, that's really what it was is I was a big dreamer and, um, And so I was always dreaming shit up, and I like to write it down, and I like to make notes, and it might be poetry one day, it might be, like I said, furniture or houses or inventions. I have just stacks of notebooks over the years of inventions. And uh, so I'll I'll fast forward. I was actually rodeoing, and I think I was in Colorado or, or Kansas somewhere, and I met a bull rider and he him and i and a couple other guys stayed up at a hotel uh because that's what you do you everybody shacks up save money sure. and you yeah get one one room and 20 guys in it i guess so <laughs> <laughs> <That's comfortable. laughs> yeah so uh so we would uh we were staying up and playing music and writing songs and talking and and uh he Somehow everybody was kind of passed out. Was just him and I, and we were sharing those stories about he was an artist and he would draw and very, very, very creative. Dennis was was amazing, and man, I, as soon as I heard that, I ran out to the van and grabbed my stack of notebooks and brought in and we were showing them. I'd have been twenty one, two somewhere in there, maybe Nine. somewhere in there. I was. It was. Uh, it was. I tried college. I kicked out hit the road i was just doing you know construction and rodeoing and uh working ranches and whatever i could to make a living because you're kind of worthless as a employee when you rodeo so (laughs) (laughs) so i uh i i was somewhere along there and it was at that you know we're still kids basically and and i showed him all this stuff and he goes man you you should be a creative director at an ad agency (laughs) I <laughs> go, A what at a what? <laughs> you had no idea. I didn't know what that was at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. I never put it together like I didn't you know, I watched commercials and I listened to them on the radio, but I didn't know there was actually a job a process doing it. behind it. No so idea.
4: Somehow I just had this vision of like you the next day at the rodeo competition on a bareback going, you know, I, it. <laughs> <laughs> Should I get it? Ad agency. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, so so i i'd won a scholarship uh actually no i hadn't won the scholarship yet i'd gotten an offer to go to this little junior college in kansas um and the coach luthie was good enough to offer me this scholarship because i my grades had to i had to actually work my way back up to where i could compete collegiately sure and um and so i did i went to this little junior college and got my grades up and then I competed the second year and I I did good enough that that I won a scholarship at the national college finals and I could kind of use it anywhere I wanted to because it was a national you know uh, program and by that time now I knew I wanted to kind of what I wanted I wanted to go into some sort of you know creative career there was only two colleges in the United States that have a rodeo program because you need to go use your rodeo scholarship somewhere where they have a rodeo program and, you know, design marketing and, uh, you know, it was, uh, San Luis Obispo, California and Hayes, Kansas. And so, uh, I went out and toured the Cal Poly out there in California. And for a week I stayed with guys that were on the team out there and, Oh, man, the pretty girls and the sunshine and the beaches. And I was, this is, this is where I'm going. Until I found out what it cost to, you know, my scholarship was good for books, tuition, stuff like that, but not. Not food. Not living expenses. Yeah. I, was, I almost shit myself. At that. You're paying what for? Coming
4: from coming from South Dakota uh, out yeah. there. Yeah. yeah.
3: You're paying $600 a month, and there's five of you living in this shoebox? <laughs> Then I started paying attention to what everything costs, and then I went to Hayes, Kansas. That's yeah. where they had a, a really, actually, a real better program in Hayes, and it was a great program. And, and went there, and I I uh, took you know different courses, and slowly started to work into you know graphic design and things like that. And so, uh, then then when I, I was still rodeoing, and, and I left there, and uh, went to um, uh, Cheyenne Frontier Days and I tore my knee out and I was dating this girl. Was this your first major injury? Because this whole time you're talking oh, no. about. No, like, dude. I'm trying to imagine. If we want to go into that,
4: 10 guys that's a whole in a room post competition just banged up, oh, beat up.
3: I've had four knee surgeries, four shoulder oh. surgeries, and I don't know how many broken bones, but that, the, i I tore my knee out in um in Cheyenne and was dating this girl that was living in Denton, Texas, oh, okay, so you know, I went and was shacked up with her and was laying on the couch with my knee up. she goes, "You need to get a damn job <laughs> and I said, "I can't work <laughs> Look I got my knee you know my knees all bunged up well, I'd only done physical labor, you know work to us was riding colts or swinging a hammer or pouring concrete and and you know and she said oh man you 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 know how to design and advertising stuff i go oh yeah i forgot about that because when i left college i just went rodeo and so that started the process of me working for a magazine laying out ads in the back of the magazine changed my trajectory of my life and a whole new chapter and i gave up my boots and spurs and bought black advertising clothes and a range rover and became a douche. I want to-
6: <laughs>
4: <laughs> this is I think we got about thirty seconds left and that is a perfect segue. We're gonna learn how Robo evolved into being a douche.
1: <laughs> that was uh, that was awesome. I was totally drawn in. I like I like you dropping the hammer like that. It's yeah. pretty sweet. So <clears throat> well just a reset um we are coming up at the end of the half hour but uh, robo hendrickson here with us basically this is an incredible journey of how he took inspiration from his childhood great parents that cared a lot about him gave him lots of direction in terms of what it is you need to do to achieve something he just you chose a different path and i cannot wait in the next hour to dig into what that path looks like now and how it's helping people around the world around the world so quick tune in uh spoonie.com there's uh, plenty of great shows on the lineup and of course if you want to check in with some kbmd cbd go to KBMDhealth.com. that's kbmd health.com we will be back in about four minutes to finish our last hour with robo hendrickson of full bucket see you
4: soon oh.
2: This is the only 24-hour, take-anywhere platform dedicated to food and fun. We're Spoonie.
0: News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Rich Thomason. Wall Street has opened sharply lower this morning with trade jitters continuing to trouble the market both here at home and abroad. U.S.-China trade talks set to resume later today. Chinese trade negotiators are back here in the nation's capital for more trade talks, and this time they're staring at a Friday deadline and the possibility of higher tariffs. President Trump has threatened to increase tariffs to 25% on some $200 billion of Chinese goods unless a deal is reached. That's White House correspondent Greg Clugston. Senator Bernie Sanders and Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez proposing new regulations on banks. The two prominent anti-capitalists making their point at a Facebook live stream. Sanders describes himself as a Democratic socialist. Ocasio-Cortez, known to many for her radical proposals like the Green New Deal. Their proposals unlikely to dispel this criticism from Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Democrats seem determined to make the current wave of prosperity and economic opportunity. Short lived. A contrast, he says, to the Republicans' pro opportunity, pro growth agenda. Bob Agnew, Capitol Hill. Vice President Pence says the Trump administration has had it with activist judges, federal district courts issuing rulings blocking national policy. In the days ahead, our administration will seek opportunities to put this very question before the Supreme Court to ensure that decisions affecting every American are made either by those elected to represent the American people, or by the highest court in the land. North Korea added it again, launching a couple of suspected short-range missiles. This second launch in less than a week. And on Wall Street, the key average is all down more than 1%. Right now, the Dow is off 319 points, the S&P down 35, the Nasdaq 122 lower. More on these stories at townhall.com.
8: Never Forgotten Apparel is more than just a premium women's and men's clothing line. It's a movement to remind us to wear American-made and serve those who serve us, our heroes. Never Forgotten Apparel gives 20% of their total sales to nonprofits that support homeless veterans and off-duty firefighters, and 50% to individual veterans and firefighters in need nationwide. Check out NeverForgottenApparel.com, use promo code MATT, M-A-T-T and get 15% off your purchase.
5: And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800-245-0823. 800-245-0823. 800-245-0823. Call right now. That number again is 800-245-0823.
4: Dr. Ken Brown here, host of Gut Check Project with my co-host Eric Rieger. I've seen in my practice that Atron Teal is a whole lot more than just a bloating product.
1: Yes, it does a whole lot more than just fix bloating because of the polyphenols that you find in Atron Teal. What are some of the things that these polyphenols do, Eric? These polyphenols can help you have more energy and polyphenols are great for athletes. It
4: sounds like it's going to help a whole lot more people than just bloating. Go to LoveMyTummy.com slash
1: Welcome back. It's the second hour of gut check project episode number 10. We are joined on this episode with the awesome storyteller Robo Hendrickson of Full Bucket Health. real quick reset Spoonie.com. Lots of like I said, lots of great uh, lots of great shows up and down the uh, the playlist and um, of course you can always check out live broadcasts of gut check project every Thursday. 10 Eastern, 9 Central, and of course, to, sp- uh, to support the program, com slash Spoonie, com slash Spoonie, pick up Sumatron Teal, save some money, and uh, we're joined by Robo Henderson today, who may be a little interested in gut health for animals, just like we are for humans.
4: Absolutely, and where, where did we left, we just left off, you were- on a couch, girlfriend basically said, "You need to go get a job."
1: And Denton, Texas, right? So just yeah. not far from Fort Worth. Right? Yeah, actually,
3: was we were living in. A, I bought a little sixteen foot wide, you know, long mobile home and drug it out of the mud and burleson and took it to Aubrey. Oh, uh, yeah, north uh, northeast yeah. of Denton, right? Lived there was a little trailer park out there, and we set it up, and I started fixing it up and that was my first fixer upper house and nice we actually made money on it so i was tickled nice yeah that's not bad so yeah that that was i think we lived there a year maybe a year and a half in denton and <clears throat> yeah and so i like i said i transitioned from the rodeo guy to the ad guy and I, I got a job work you know well and there's a little tweak there that's kind of interesting is that growing up in South Dakota and on ranches and all that, you know, a, a nine to five cubicle job scared the shit out of me. It's not very inspiring. No, you 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 think, oh my god, it, like prison? Who would do that? Right. And and so when she said you can get a job, you know how to do design and advertising, and so I I got you know she gave me a newspaper and I found this job working for this magazine, and they needed some graphic designer layout ads in the back of the magazine so and was this a magazine in your prior field like was it a no animal no, magazine or anything no uh-uh. like it was a it was a college it was called study breaks magazine it was oh, a college yeah. publication it was based out of austin but they had a they had a unt version
1: yeah it's a uh, it's franchised to a bunch of different uh, campuses yeah yeah, it's yeah cool.
3: and so i started out as just a graphic designer there and uh you know computers were being used it was a laborious process still but it was you no longer doing ruby lith and all that stuff but you're laying out magazines in a computer a mac and so that was quite the you know experience this is 93 ish four ish mm-hmm.
4: oh so the mac was about as big as this room and yeah one tenth
3: the power absolutely in fact <laughs> i kind of cussed myself because we had four or five of them in the office there in denton and I bet there was a signature or two on some of them inside because they were some of the very first, you know, the Macs that shipped. And uh, but I I went to work and laying out these little ads, and the the you know business owners would come in and sit down with me, and we'd together we'd kind of come up with the ad, you know, and be like the size of a business card, and we'd spend an hour trying to come up with copy and you know an offer, and I freaking loved it. I Not was honest. just, it's the first job <clears throat> that didn't bore me. I would work 16 hours a day and just literally look up and go, oh, shit, it's midnight.
4: Isn't that fascinating? So some people would view that, oh, it'd be like prison, but you're, you were free because you were in your own head. Nobody yes. was bugging you.
3: First time I could actually use, it was the first time I used my brain to make money. It wasn't much money. It wasn't making shit, but it, I was getting paid yeah. to think, you know, like, what a concept yeah so that kind of you know that started and then uh, when I started getting better and better and or you know I started doing some freelance work around the Metroplex and for different ad agencies and I would just do you know little ad stuff layouts and things and and uh, and then I finally got a kind of a more of a full-time position at an agency in Fort Worth with a couple ladies and And I got along with one of the partners very, very well, and I started developing my craft, getting better at it, and I had a strategic mind. I've always never been a really good designer, but I love design. So I've worked at it very hard. I wasn't talented, but I have a passion for it. But um, I naturally took to, like, strategy. Like, I naturally took to positioning the brand doing something with that and
4: i'm sorry can you can you just elaborate on that a little bit so you're you're an ad person but when you say strategy like you're already seeing the the buyer journey yeah
3: yeah i it would just fall into place in my mind and because i was a dreamer i could manifest the future with it like Uh, i could see where it was going to be someday it just would immediately come like i know this can be this i can picture the store and Employee, you know, the the customers there and everything, <clears throat> and the look and what you know the experience and, but the, you know we were selling ads, and you know these companies would come to us and want to slap lipstick on a pig, and they'd say, we want you to do new branding and, and you know design our store and, so we would, but the whole time it was frustrating because I knew their product sucked and I knew that the customer service department was, you know crap and i knew everything inside is broken but the we they want us to make the facade look good and it was very frustrating and so i started to develop like programs and sessions on how to teach them that if you fix the inside first that the outside will take care of itself right <clears throat> and we actually you know when i became i worked my way up to creative director and then and then um one of the ladies and I became partners and we started our own agency and, and we grew it and we, we did a really good job. We, we uh, landed Sony electronics and blockbuster and I helped launch XM satellite radio. And uh, we had some great clients and it was a lot of fun working in the ad agency business in the nineties and two thousands, you know, it was pretty, pretty wild. And we had a great office in Fort worth and lots of cool parties. And that,
1: this was uh, Access Creative, correct?
3: Yeah. yeah. So, and my partner—I guess the biggest part out of that was the first exposure to having a very, very con- competent partner mm-hmm. that offset my weaknesses, which there's a lot, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm—I'm I'm a weak structure. I need a lot of support. So, uh, Sandra was a brilliant, smart, you know. Wasn't never went to college, but she was classy, which means she knew when to cuss and not, and she cussed properly. But uh, she she was self made, and sure. she was she, you know, basically handled everything but the creative and strategy. She just let me have that, and she appreciated what I did, and we got along very well, and we grew the agency, and and I learned so much, and I was trying to teach these companies. <laughs> You know, we were selling these strategy sessions, I called Brand Speak, and a few others, and and they'd do bits and pieces and parts, but not really buy into the whole methodology. They wouldn't do the whole thing, and uh, and so she wanted to retire, and and I thought that you know I could, and this was when the agency business was really taking a tanker, you know, in the like two thousand. Two, the the laptop computer started taking over our business because now people could lay out their own stuff and do their own design. It came with Photoshop and became much easier for the general public and and so you know we luckily we were able to exit that business and I kept the digital arm and and worked in building websites and stuff up until two thousand nine and uh, and was didn't like it i was just okay. going to ask that did that fulfill the same creative <clears> thing <throat> that well, you found with the other way no because um you know by then it it did and it didn't you know it, it did but like i said we get calloused like if i would have stepped into that role um we did some really neat stuff and back then you know we were you know it cost you three hundred thousand dollars to get a website built by us but right Good yeah lord <laughs> well that well, was because at, everything was hard i could get it done for 500 now yeah, 500 agencies,
4: bucks i mean they would charge companies outrageous amounts it had to be much harder well that's because that's it was it. hard
3: it yeah. was because i had to hire guys that were that came from arpanet yeah. you know they helped develop arpanet that's who we had to hire to help you know to do the programming on the websites because it there wasn't tools. There it's wasn't all, yeah. Word it's all press, raw code. It's all everything is raw, raw code. code. And, yeah, and, and and so you know the 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 technical aspect really because it was new, and I'm curious. I was ate up with it at first, so, but once kind of got over that, I was like, okay, code is boring, kind of. I mean, it's not boring, but it, it get it got boring for me <clears throat> And doing Google AdWords programs back then which is what we also did after a while i realized it's a lot of spreadsheets and so um so i you know i sold my part to my partner and and tried to transition into some other things i was doing some consulting work for different companies to pay the bills my wife had contracted chronic lyme disease or didn't contract she'd been finally diagnosed after three or four years of trying to figure out what was wrong and we had two babies and, you know, a lot of shit happened in a short amount of time that really gutted me. And and I was reeling. Like I, I didn't know how to handle this kind of situation. It was just you know, I was thinking negatively and was scared, you know. Uh, I'd never had responsibility before. You know, you wake up one day and go I got two freaking kids and a wife and how am i gonna do this and one day so i i didn't know what i wanted to do i didn't i, I was interested in a lot of things i don't know what i want to do i don't you know fish or you know, not have a hobby per se <clears throat> but i knew what i didn't want to do so i sat down and I'll try to make this fast because I want to talk about full bucket. But we do have another half hour, right? So, oh yeah.
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's so I can get if, windy, think you're you gonna have I mean, to I, shut me up. sometime. I no. I think the, the the beauty of your brain is you paint a very convincing pitcher so you're a good storyteller this is sure. this is the campfire effect going on right here but yeah i'm just i i enjoy the story I, oh. I feel like
1: i moved from sand from uh, south dakota with you
4: there you go
3: well if we were having cocktails it'd even be better
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: you know what? Let's like, not get sidetracked but next time let's have cocktails in <clears throat> denver
3: there you go <laughs> yes sir
4: psilocybin just I mean, got decriminalized
3: but i subject. you guys told me that i heard you know Baker said that it lost and then you guys I came in I'm like holy crap they didn't know that's amazing it was a a very close vote I'm very excited yeah uh so so the I didn't know what I wanted to do and was very frustrating and I was consulting for some private equity companies to pay our bills and and was very I was kind of desperate in a way I was you know well I I missed a little part where I partnered up with the wrong person. After I left the uh, web buzzer, I tried to launch a niche advertising network, online network. At that time, Google Ad AdSense and Google AdWords weren't really keyed in very well with the algorithms and uh, targeting. And so there was a lot of opportunity to create niche ad networks that were all online, but aligning people. And I partnered up with a guy that I didn't know that well, but had, had what I needed, which was a development team and mm-hmm. started sinking money into that. And the partnership, we didn't have the same ethics. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. And so it went belly up and, uh, or, you know, I shot it in the head basically. And,
4: and this is while you're still, you got the kids, the wife, yes. you're kind of not in a good place. Yeah, I thought and-
3: when we started it, it was really taking off and we were going to make a lot of money and and uh but that's why I, that's why I have this belief now that the, the the people you work with is way more important than what you're doing way Definitely. more important the, the ideas is it's nice if it's a good idea it's better if it's a great idea but they're both irrelevant if the people you're working with are shit so <clears throat> anyhow so uh, took a nosedive, trying to regroup, very frustrated, you know, feeling worthless, but knew that, okay, other people are here. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I was very frustrated with that, so I, one morning I woke up, and I took out a notepad, and I started writing down what I don't like to do, and I just started writing. What things do I not like about work and business and whatever, and I started filling some pages. You know, there's a lot of things that you that you don't like if you really start looking into it.
4: Did that experience take you into a more negative place? Because that could that could go down a rabbit hole in my brain where I'm just like, holy cow, I don't like a lot of the world no, around
3: me. You know what? It really didn't. It was a little bit cathartic. Because you know, that floats around in you anyways. And all day you're a little bit bombarded by it. Ping. Ping, 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 but writing it down and actually looking at it, going, "Oh yeah, I don't, I don't like it when somebody comes in and you know makes me stop what I'm doing and do something else." Mm-hmm. Sounds like a simple thing, but I was into what I was doing, and now you're trumping my. I hated that, so it was cathartic to see it on paper and know, oh, that's why I get during the day. I get that little because somebody stopped me from doing what I was working on.
4: You're an artist. You get into a flow
3: state. (coughs) Yeah.
4: And then somebody interrupts that. You have to work your way back into that flow
3: state. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, at the end of that, and by the way, I didn't have any like direction. I was just doing this. And so I started writing all the things I didn't like. And then I realized at the end of, I don't know, five pages and hundreds of things, I went back to it and said, all right, well, a lot of these are very similar. You know, they, these are, they all sound different, or they're, but they really fall under one bucket. Sure. And these all fall under this bucket. They all have the same kind of, the, the, the cause itself, these were all symptoms. The cause itself was kind of the same overarching one. I don't know how to put it that way. but I just realized they were, they were similar. So I, I put them in their own buckets, and I ended up with like eight buckets. And, And so I had eight, you know, verticals that these are things that I don't like with, you know, being uh, told what to do, you know, working on my own schedule, all these things um, essentially was, you know, I don't want to work for somebody else. Well, and then there was another one about I don't want to work on things that don't have inherent value for humanity and for me and make me feel good. And I wanted things that my girls would be proud that a dad was working on those things. Mm -hmm. I wanted something. I I wanted to have products that gave and served. Well, that's, you know, that all fall under, you Mm -hmm. know, a, a bucket. And so when I was done, I had these eight, Core things and I thought well shit I'll just flip them well if I don't want to work for somebody else I gotta be my own boss right if 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 I don't want you know my if I don't want what I do to be I have no value for society or for me or for my family then I need to have something that does and so on and so forth and I had eight things and wrote those on a piece of paper and I called them my eight manifestos and immediately I mean within a heartbeat whole bunch of stuff made sense in my life I had uh, a couple of opportunities that I had been dragging my feet on and immediately I realized why I was dragging my feet because they didn't meet these criteria yeah because I knew I still didn't know what I wanted to do, but mm. if, if it had these eight things, One for you, I'm going to be happy if, if if it meets these criteria. I'll be happy no matter what it is. But then all of a sudden, two things happened. One is I realized the opportunities I wasn't taking advantage of was because they didn't meet those criteria, and my internal system was dragging its feet. And... It also opened up to other opportunities I w- couldn't even see because now I had this lens or looking glass that, that I could look through and I could see so much more using that. And I remember Jody was in the kitchen and I was at the table when this all happened. And I said, you know why I've been dragging my feet on that offer with the private equity group to come on board. And she said, no. And I said, cause it only meets one of these. Like I could make a lot of money. It has, you know, runway is what I called it. It had runway. Not that I wanted to be rich, but if I'm going to put energy into something, I want to get energy back. And that's part of the energy. Part only piece of the energy is, you know, the the purpose stuff, but it also is the monetary aspect to make and improve my life, but also exponentially expand. But it only met that one. It didn't meet any of the others. And she goes, oh, okay. And I said, but you know what? You know those two young veterinarians that I've been consulting the last little bit. They meet seven of the eight. You know they. What were you consulting for them? <clears throat> well, they had. Um, they had started making. They're both extremely good veterinarians. Very well known in the equine industry, but they are also small animal too. But very well known in the <laughs> equine industry and. And they had developed and this is where we will tie into all of this is that they actually were struggling with diarrhea in their patients, and there wasn't a good all natural alternative to help mitigate that interesting in a in a very successful way and <clears throat> and so this would when they started making their product they or you know Experimenting was like in mid two two thousand five six somewhere in there, mm-hmm. and they Rob Doctor Rob Franklin was you know he's a they're both brilliant smart and Rob's one of those kind of people who can research and really extract things. I mean he's he's insanely good at that, and so he was doing a lot of research about probiotic use in humans, and and there was. There's a lot of misinformation about probiotics. In fact, probiotics aren't really necessarily a thing or like it's not like that's a probiotic. It's kind of how you use it. You can use a lot of different things, but the way you use it means it's a probiotic. <clears throat> Anyhow, so he'd been doing a lot of research and they they came up on a novel solution that you know the at the current time there were probiotics in the market in the animal healthcare side but they were strains that had never been proven to work they were way way under concentrated they blah 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 blah. so he 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 used his mind to create a very you know it was all about the the, the various ingredients and they all had to be there not just a probiotic but it needed a almost like a carrying agent to do this and it needed this to do this and so it was a formula that he put together and was messing around with in his clinics and he just kept messing with it till all of a sudden the diarrhea was stopping and it was a healthy stop it wasn't like he wasn't plugging anything up the body was healing itself and getting it back on its feet they started using it then their colleagues wanted some so they started in the their colleagues were some of the best equine vets so that started spreading next thing you know they had a business that they started out of their garage shipping boxes and the you know for four years they did this but they weren't really growing they just sort of peaked all where they started and they were wanting some help they wanted to figure out how can we take this to market and so a friend of a friend introduced us i said yep i'd love to help and so we met and had a A couple of really deep dive sessions and and i did discovery where i dig all this stuff out of them and it's very personal i i want to know you personally and i was sitting there at the coffee table and i said you know those two young veterinarians i'm working with they meet seven of the eight and jody goes well which one don't they mean i go the runway Um, i go the horse mm. supplement market is small especially in the veterinary market i mean it's not very big Mm -hmm. and she goes could it be I go, yeah. I mean, if we expand it into pets and maybe livestock and other areas, yeah. She goes, do you think they'll have you? And I go, I don't know. So I called Keith on the phone and I go, hey, I don't want to be a consultant. I want to be a partner. And he goes, Robo, we just talked about you yesterday.
1: That's awesome.
3: That's cool. And we, you know, I think what what I find fascinating. You use
4: the word looking glass. And to me, I immediately saw you at four years old looking through the window at that swing, and you went back to your roots to veterinary.
3: Yeah, not funny? Yeah, I'm full circle. That, and, yeah, I'll tell you, next round, it, it felt like putting on a pair of well-worn boots. That oh, that's
1: awesome. I can't believe that was a half hour. Robo, next half hour, we're going to put this all together. See you all in just a moment.
4: Dr. Ken Brown here, host of Gut Check Project with my co-host Eric Rieger. Eric, we've been seeing Mojo guys over there and over here at Spoonie talk about AtronTeal for bloating. I've seen in my practice that AtronTeal is a whole lot more than just a bloating product.
1: Yes, it does a whole lot more than just fix bloating because of the polyphenols that you find in AtronTeal.
4: You're exactly right. The polyphenols are those molecules that we find in the Mediterranean diet. It makes vegetables and fruits very
1: colorful. What are some of the things that these polyphenols do, Eric. These polyphenols can actually stop inflammation. They can help you have more energy. They can help you with anti-aging. And polyphenols are great for athletes.
4: It sounds like it's going to help a whole lot more people than just bloating. Tell me how everybody should be taking Atron Teal.
1: If you want to dose Atron Teal, it's two capsules, three times a day, basically with your meals. But if you aren't bloated and you just want that polyphenol intake every day, two to three capsules a day will work for you.
4: Go to lovemytummy.com slash Spoonie.
8: Take the pain out of ordering your diabetic testing supplies with Diathrive. Diathrive ships the testing supplies you need directly to you when you need them. Best of all, with plans starting as low as $8 a month, Diathrive is probably going to cost you less than what you're paying today. Diathrive is so convinced that you'll love their service. They're offering your first month of supplies free. Simply type the code DOC, D-O-C, at checkout. Diathrive.com. That's D-I-A-Thrive.com.
1: We got Robo in here bouncing the jazz music, or whatever the hell you want to call that. So we're back here for the last half hour. I'm not going to waste any time because I'm kind of sitting on the edge of my seat, not just because of how familiar this story sounds to me, even though it's the <laughs> first time I've ever heard it. But uh, anyway, Robo, continue.
3: I must say that I like my voice in this microphone. Yeah. Got that late night drawl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's the what was that guy who had the uh the late night show coast to coast
3: oh that was um, bill bill Ma- bill mack bill mack yeah bill Mac show don't you remember that it was trucker they...
1: oh yeah trucker yeah Bill yeah, Mack, absolutely.
3: actually i have a relationship with bill my partner sander and him were dear friends and she she got him on xm satellite radio nice she got him to move from you know the the traditional radio over into XM. She did the contracts. She did the negotiations. Yeah. So I swam in his pool with him one night, <laughs> the middle of the night drinking cocktails.
1: This is Roba Hendrickson. He swims in Bill Mac's pool. Yes. Here A to talk. A long time to. ago. <laughs> and somehow that led to uh, some amazing, honestly, personal stories about how ultimately you've got uh, full bucket mm-hmm. as yep. well as some other companies.
3: <clears throat> yeah. So, I'm
4: flipping through your website. This is really cool. I can't. I mean, we could talk hours just on this one company. This is really cool.
3: Which one? <laughs>
4: well, full, <laughs> okay. I'm just I'm just looking at full bucket. right Yeah,
3: now. yeah. So, uh, so we we all got together. Me and Robin Keith got together, and and <clears throat> again. What so, year was this, by the way? This was in um, 2010. Nine? Ten. 10? Yeah, 2010, eleven. We actually. So they had a company called Stellar Mark. They had two products. They had a, a paste that was a very high concentrated product. And then they had a a powder that you put on feed. And it was just for horses. And it was for to help mitigate, you know, the diarrhea and loose stool and things like that. So they had these products. They, they were very good. They worked. <clears throat> and when we met, they'd been trying to get it going for about four years. They they had it going, but they, they've sort of capped out. So when we sat down and had the you know, kicked it off again, we, we shut that company down because one of the core aspects of us coming together and doing this together was that we didn't want to just have a business that sold stuff, you know we didn't want to just have a, a a company that sold you know nutraceuticals. We wanted to have a business that meant something on a whole different level. and we had read all three of us <clears throat> had read um, Blake Makowski's uh, Start Something that Matters, which is a book about how he started Tom's shoes <laughs> and his journey with that. And, you know, that really resonated with me, but it, both of them are, Rob and Keith were big readers. They'd read it and we talked a lot about it. We're like, that's, that's the beauty. That there, there was something there. Rob and Keith had been going on um, these veterinary without borders type trips to, Mm -hmm. to Mexico. And they used their skills to, do some simple veterinary care and, and help the people out down there but it was all it's all part of a nonprofit organization and and uh it really they it it was awesome for them to use their skills to help people with it right that really 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 need it these are people that don't have access to any kind of health care and and their animals and but, uh, so they were doing these trips and working on donkeys, horses and mules, which is called the working equid <clears throat> or I call it working horse and the working horse build has, builds nations. We built America with Definitely. the horse and the mule and the, and the draft horse. You know, that's, that's what, that's how we built train tracks and streets and everything way back when we were a developing nation and people were poor and you could feed a horse, but you, you know. And so these countries, these communities, that's the, the the working horses, they're everything. I mean, it's their pickup truck and their plow and their tractor and, you know, it hauls the water and the kids and the, and the you know, the, the grain from the fields, everything. And they're highly malnourished because the people, A, don't know much about nutrition at all, um, and they're way overworked, they don't get enough energy, food, and, you it's pretty deplorable. These animals are so important to them, but they don't really know how to take care of them properly. They throw them, you know, they work them all day and then they throw them a bunch of corn husks at night for food. Or sometimes, you know, the grass might be belly deep, you know, on the side of these mountains in Guatemala. Grass looks beautiful, but they're on the side of volcanoes, which spews ash for the last millions of years. The soil is deplete of all kinds of nutrients. So they're eating the grass, but there's no it's washy there's no nutrients so they've got you know bone problems and foot problems and teeth problems and it's yeah so they need help and we wanted to launch a company that didn't write a damn check at the end of the year as a donation we wanted to create this was the idea was we wanted to create a for profit business selling really awesome products that customers would love And that would fuel us being able to help the working horses and thus the families in these poor communities, almost sort of like a a recycle engine or a, um, a, what is it called? A difference engine where one feeds the other in a way that that the the bigger our company grew, the bigger our giving would get. And it would just, they would just be synergistic with each other. It was not going to be a, Hey, we want to, donate it's a it's part of our fabric it was always meant to be that way because it requires more than just money i mean (coughs) basically you have to educate right well and it was sort of like having two companies in a way because i mean it's logistically when i start telling you about the actual work we do down there it's it'll blow your mind are you still going down personally and doing stuff oh absolutely no i wouldn't i mean we i mean that if, if that's all i was doing i'd be very happy and we're getting there. You know, the, we're, we've got some really great people on board now, managers in place that's taken a lot of the load off of us, and we're able to do more and more with the giving program, and it's growing even more. So we're looking at some really exciting things coming forward. But at the very beginning back then, <clears throat> you know, we just had that idea. And so um, the three of us were sort of like a three-legged stool. Rob, Rob's a certain way, Keith's a certain way, and I'm a certain way, and it sort of seemed like it fit, and it has proven to be that way. So we we shut down their company, and we launched one called Animal Stewards International. And we knew that it was going to be a house of brands. I thumbnailed out, this is kind of how I want the brand structure. Will, Animal Stewards is the holding company, kind of like Johnson & Johnson, and then the first brand will be Full Bucket. We renamed the their company, uh, their their product line full bucket, because I thought it was a cool play on every animal should have a full bucket, you know, and and designed the brand identity, and then we we started developing a few more products, and then Rob is in charge of uh, the the actual giving program, and so he aligned with some nonprofit organizations, and we started going down to Mexico. This is 2011, and so we take our, we basically have a one for one program, just like Tom's Shoes. For every dose of product we sell, we give to these animals in need. Now, it's way beyond that. We actually go down and we do, we work with individuals in those communities to teach them how to trim their feet and float teeth, and we've we've um, uh, done some microfinancing where we get give the young guys the tools to be able to do that because we do not want to be what's called toxic charity we don't want to go down there and have welfare that's why i hate it when people say we're, it's a mission it's not a mission trip it's not a charity that's welfare and i grew up next to the reservation and i know what welfare can do to gut a community of its its ambition and you have to be very careful so hey,
1: I'm going to stop you, but just real quick for the listeners who may not know, if I and I'm, I may be incorrect here too, when you float teeth, when a veterinarian floats teeth, they're basically using a file, correct, to make sure yes. that the the dental health of the horse can break down the food because if Absolutely. they've been malnourished, then they can have really bad teeth, correct?
3: they yeah, and I mean you can fix a major skinny bad horse with by fixing their teeth. Amazing, because you'll you'll look at a mouth and it's. It's awful. It looks just like, I mean, they're sharp and they're scattered everywhere. And, you know, some of these horses have a tooth that's going up every time they take Mm. a bite, it goes up into the soft tissue of the, you know, the Uh. upper palate. And it's just worn a hole through all the way into the nasal cavity. Oh. And so you go in and you fix those teeth, and now they can actually eat properly without living in misery. And that's, yeah, that's, we call it floating teeth. uh, And then we trim feet hooves are all in terrible shape and get them trimmed up so they can travel better. They break, they don't break down over the.
4: Now, have you been able to take some of these people that you've been working with for a long time and are they self-sufficient now? Do you have areas and places that you've gone? Absolutely. I love Uh, it when people ask me that.
3: Yeah. There's areas where, you know, I, I remember Mm -hmm. three or four years ago we were in a village and we, we work with the university of Guatemala and their veterinary program. And so we bring we, one of our, our goals not only was to, to help the working horses and the people that rely on them, but was also to create a bridge for others to join us. We wanted to create a... We knew we were going to be laying this platform down. We wanted to create a bridge for other veterinarians to be able to go and experience and use their talents to do this. We wanted to create a bridge for these students the vet students in Guatemala to be able to come up and experience veterinary work in the United States, which is the best in the world and, and, and create a synergy between it all. And it's, it's happening. And so, like I said, we, we were very conscientious of replacing, you know, because we go into these communities and we do this work. Well, then no veterinarian can go in and, you know, have a business. They will never be able to be, you know, because these are you know subsistent farmers that don't have much money, but they have some.
4: Man, I got to ask you a question so how do you, How do you I mean how do you survive being a farmer generation to generation and not have learned the techniques to keep your working
3: animal? I think the that thing all that the time. brings the
4: food to the table.
3: When I first came back, I, I, I wrote about that. I used to blog a lot back then, and and I called it you know um, I I have not yet come down from that mountain and. I'm getting for clamped even thinking about it but it was my first trip there and working and I I remember thinking you people have been living with these animals for 3000 years and you don't know how to trim their feet and you don't know how to really feed them or anything and it took me a couple of years of going and being there and these are wonderful people these are these these villages are the kids are loving and I mean I I can go into other details about Some of these villages, the um, uh, orphan rate is off the charts because the dads leave and and go north to work. And uh, there's a village full of women and children. And they're everywhere, and they don't have any father figures, and so they just glom on us. Because we show them attention and love, and they just, oh, they're so thirsty for it. So the... uh, i forgot you asked me a question about
1: the uh, thousands
3: of years yeah, so w- what it is is it's culture <clears throat> it's all culture it's it's a long-standing chain of and i use the word ignorance because it doesn't mean they're stupid it just means they just don't know they're unaware and you have to understand that and it's it's eroding down there because the for years if you grew up in a village. It's hard to get to another village. I mean, you don't have phones and the internet, and you're chatting with people everywhere else. I mean, you're in your village, and once in a while, someone new will come in, or once in a while, things happen. So for thousands of years, you were pretty secluded, and and there wasn't that. Um, you know, here we are. We're in the most innovative company ever our country ever started we were we pioneered and started a new you know type of economy and political system and we're built on innovation in this country we we solve problems right we have inventions and we think that way if something's broken we're always everyone's thinking like how do i fix that how do i make improve that not there that's just not their culture their culture is this is the way it's done
1: Do you think some of the natural catalyst kind of leaves with the, uh, the males also having to leave to go get work, to send back money because they can't teach the trade that maybe if they happen to pick up even a little bit, I mean, what we have here is generations of building upon what your father did or what your grandfather Mm -hmm. did. And when you're gone, well, then you're, just like you said, it's women and children and they don't have the same tradesmanship passed down from generation. Yeah,
3: definitely that. And you know, well then, like I said, I grew up in South Dakota, and I mean, we had a culture of, sort of like that. You know, I mean, I can't say that well, we were a lot different because you were talking about how you were always
4: the odd man out, but you were the odd man out in such a great way, thinking.
3: Well, different. in some ways. Well, <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, but I mean, always having that that creative thought that you yeah. that you've stuck with this entire time, so that you were then able to channel that. And help these people. So when you say come down from the mountain, you were talking about that blog. You said you'd come yeah. back the first trip.
3: Yeah, it was just so powerful because we <clears throat> we'd went to Mexico and we were up in like these villages that were eleven thousand feet, you know, and uh, there was a moment. You know, I'd been there, but I was kind of numb. You know, you you're seeing it all, and and I was thinking to myself, you know, it really hadn't hit me like. Uh, It was sort of like a dream i was there i knew that we were working on these animals i knew there were these these people were you know were were needing our help they don't have access to those things here we are helping them out and uh out of the fields it was like the middle of the week and i'd been there for a few days and i was trying to put it all together and out of the field came the a bunch of these kids and they were brothers and sisters and they were orphans and they had a donkey with them. They were pulling this donkey and the oldest daughter was sort of in charge of the family, right? She was in charge of the, I think there was five of them altogether. The, the, uh, the youngest, the, the baby, she was carrying a baby that was her, you know, her sister. <clears throat> the baby had to be maybe nine months, 10 months. It's hard to tell because they're stunted growth, you know, and they're all, they're just small people. I don't, I have a hard time gauging their age, but it was a baby. And then they were all dirty and they were shoeless and they were, uh, their clothes were just tatters and traditional kind of dress, but just wore out and tattered. And, uh, and the oldest girl was probably nine. And she's in charge she's in charge dad had um something had happened to dad cartels whatever he oh, was gone geez. and then mom died and she brought was bringing this donkey in she's now nine taking care of the family Oh my going gosh. out in the fields with the donkey you know the kid the other the siblings had play in the dirt they lived uh they lived between two houses in this little alleyway thing <clears throat> and it wasn't houses don't get me wrong these are cinder blocks with um, tin over the top, you know, they're domiciles, but they're not houses and they lived between two and they came out of the field and there's a, I have a photo I'll have to dig up of me, you know, the, the, the little one, I was cleaning her face up and everything. And and the clothes weren't, you know, like, like they looked like clothes that might have been brought by the Salvation Army or something, you know, they were, some of the clothes they had on were too you know, like a little hat and a little sweater and things it didn't look like they were handmade. Um, so I'm sure they were had gotten them through some sort of char- charitable deal, but they were just grimy and wore out. Sure. You know, they've been wearing them time and didn't weren't washing them. And it, that's, you know, that's the moment that it stabbed my heart. And, we finished up the the work that week, and then uh, we flew home. <clears throat> and when when I got home, my wife and a bunch of our friends were in Fort Worth for this big. There was some big event going on in town, and there was a parties and and it was all like all over town. It was like you know the some sort of big thing, and and so I went there, and everybody's dressed up, and you know, and I just get off this airplane, and I'm still kind of grubby. I'm you know, I'm, I'm still in my work clothes, but I just went straight there. Cause you know, and there I was, I was surrounded by excess, crazy excess, like opulence almost, you know, that people are having fun and drinking there and they're completely unaware of what I just experienced. And I was just, I was sitting there and it was a flip flop. So like I said before, I was, when I was there, I was sort of like an outsider and I, I, was sort of felt like I was looking at everything through a window until I, those kids. And then I was present and I got it. So I go back and I'm at this downtown Fort Worth and I'm looking through a window. I was like, this isn't real. And it, I felt so removed. And I said, I still haven't come down from that mountain. Mm hmm. So I got over that, you know, eventually, but, um, that was, you know, that, that made me understand the, the reason we did what we were doing and purpose. Did you immediately talk to your wife and kids
4: about the experience (coughs) or did you hold it inside?
3: It took me a little while, you know, I, I would give them snippets and tell them a little bit, you know, but as time went by, I'd get more and more, you know involved with it uh they haven't been with me yet i, I want them to go with me uh, we quit going to mexico and we go to guatemala and nicaragua honduras wherever it's safe enough but mostly guatemala we have uh, kind of a headquarters in guatemala and our program is expanding there exponentially and and a lot of the vet students that were on our first few trips have now become kind of part of our family and They've been up. In fact, there's two of them up here right now doing internships in Texas. And, oh, that's awesome! Um, and they'll go back down and be a big ad, you know, part of our program down there and help us manage it down there. But uh, yeah, the program continues to grow. And, and it's, it's, let me just
4: clarify: so Full Bucket also pays for that. They pay for their travel and do yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that's so, so cool.
3: Yeah. So the the yeah, and we partner up with a, <clears throat> with different groups that help. Uh, you know, there's. Actually, there's a program that is called the Equitarian Initiative that's sort of a uh, a veterinarian program, and we learned a lot from them. They were really helpful in the beginning. But those are all donation-based programs, and the only way that they can continue is, you know, by going out and begging for money and getting funds on a continual basis. And, you know we we didn't want that we, we you know we're entrepreneurs i get that and i i very much appreciate that but we we're entrepreneurs and you know we're gonna break shit. we're gonna fix stuff when it needs fixed we don't want to go through committees we <laughs> yeah. we ran into a lot of oh. that we're like can we just do this and they're like yeah we'll, we're gonna bring that up at the next committee and maybe next year we'll roll it out And we're like so oh, let's do it in the morning yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, we've slowly grown our program more and more to be more just kind of by ourselves. Because of that, of that mentality, it has nothing to do with, you know, everyone's doing trying to do good. We're very keyed in on not creating toxic charity, not using welfare, trying to work with communities, trying to figure out a way that they can all be sustainable. The nutrition problem, that's going to be a tough one. Education's helping a lot. Um... And we've got people that are helping working on like storing feed in the wintertime, teaching them how to store feed during the, and it's not really wintertime, but the off seasons, the rainy seasons, which they, you know, preparing for that will help a lot. So we're trying to figure out ways that we can do that. But ultimately, you know, like those nutrients that aren't in the soil, we all always have to replace those. So we, the product that we, we distribute down there is made in country so that we Create jobs, and you guys have factories
4: in these countries now.
3: Yeah, well, we don't own them. The factories we we found like feed mills, and we we buy the ingredients, and we have their people make the product for us, and um, and then we distribute it in the country, trying to keep as much economic growth there as we can. That's fantastic. I think that and, is so
4: cool. And then just really quick, when you compare that to what you would consider a toxic charity <clears throat> or the toxic charity mentality
3: what do you mean by that well i mean by that first of all there's a book called toxic charity it's not only kind of our bible but it's a really well written book i mean the the guy did a great job but it's about it's it's not replacing what can be sustainable so if like i said if 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 we teach the young men in the community how to trim the feet and we set them up with the tools. By the way, we microfinance because it, they, it's a better stick rate if they owe us for them and they won't have to pay us back. If we teach them and show them how to run their own little business, that's sustainable. Now we've kind of broken that cycle. Now there's someone there that knows how to trim feet, and he'll get better and better. He'll teach others, and his sons will take over his business, and pretty soon feet problems are no longer a problem in that area. Same with teeth. Um, you know deworming that's tougher because it requires parasitics. Um, so there's some things that are, are tougher challenges to make sustainable but really being conscientious of that always is the is the top level is you know don't come in here and and throw down your welfare because it creates a, a state that you don't want so, but that's where it is now. I think that's amazing. I
4: think it's incredible because <clears throat> exactly what we were talking about it's the living on the island, not really having this. You're changing the culture. Mm-hmm. You guys are teaching the young men, they're going to teach their sons. And I think, honestly, when the way you're talking about it, with how much you're doing, I think 10 years there's going to be a Trader Joe's and a Starbucks there.
3: Yeah. You know? I hope gonna- so. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe, Maybe Starbucks, because I could have used one when I was there. They don't have very good you – know, they grow the coffee for Starbucks <laughs> They export there. it all. Yeah, they're yeah, walking around, and they had all these vegetables on the side of the mountain, people with their donkeys out there harvesting. <clears throat> and I'm looking out there, and I go, big, beautiful carrots and lettuce. But the people all eat just tortillas and beans. And there's just beautiful vegetables. And I go, why don't they just eat those? And he goes, well, those will – those are going to beat you back to Texas in Walmart. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's Walmart's the supply food. chain. Yeah. I said, man, they should sneak some of them carrots because they're beautiful. Wow. Yeah. It's well, a crazy world.
1: That is an, I mean, I can't believe that that's, that's the end of two hours.
4: You know what I love? I like that you like to read. I like you're a good storyteller. So I can't wait to buy your book. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I actually have a couple, but. I can't tell you what they are here. (laughs) I wrote a memoir, published a memoir. Tucker Max style written uh, charity book. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) absolutely.
1: Uh, Oh, Oh. well, number, uh, thank you, Patrick. Patrick just uh, whispered down the line they do want to know how they can donate or participate in full buckets. So tell us what to do. We've got about uh, 40 seconds. Well, we
3: don't do donations. That's what I said. We're not a charity, we're not a mission. Um, we kind of got that handled. Your best way to participate, first of all, is you're in your own backyard with service animals. There's a lot of people and groups that are are have uh, service dogs and service horses that are rescued animals that they then turn around and use to help with PTSD or um, the service dogs that you see everywhere. We really we support those now in domestically. We have a program for that as well. In and. But or purchase our products. If you have dogs, cats, horses, um, we have an amazing line of of probiotic based products, digestive health. We focus on nothing but digestive health. That's awesome. So that's how you can support us is buy our products and, and you know, if you're dealing with diarrhea and things like that in your dog the solution
1: connect with robo hendrickson at fullbuckethealth.com thank you so much that's episode 10 of gut check
3: project double
4: digits in the book
1: right on
2: this is the only 24-hour take anywhere platform dedicated to food and fun we're spoonie
0: when you drive with Uber, what moves you moves us. That's why we
1: help drivers keep moving with support, in-app, in a local green light hub, or by phone 24-7 to help them do what matters most to them in life. What moves me? It's my daughter.
5: She loves boxing, so I want to help her to do everything she needs to be great.
1: Uber. What moves you moves us. Get started with support when you sign up to drive with us at uber.com slash drive. Experiences driving with Uber may vary.
2: Access Netflix, Prime Video, live TV, and more with the Xfinity X1 voice remote. Now that's simple, easy,
1: awesome. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.